Welcome to the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast, your best podcast spot for all things Cleveland Guardians baseball. Presented by WaitingForNextYear.com. Follow Matt on Twitter at DairySpeaks and Todd at TDGuardiansKU. The Dairy Brothers Guardians cast is on the air. All right, here we go, folks. Another episode of the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast right here, waitingfornextyear.com, wherever you get your podcasts on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Matt and Todd with you. Spring training edition. We get right into it. Zach Meisel is with us. Uh, this guy is just everywhere. Theathletic.com. Um, I mean, the podcast with, with TJ Zuppi, the great Selby is Godcast. And uh, he's live and direct from uh, Arizona with us. Todd, this is an honor to have Zach on, and we're doing this on Zoom, so it's even better we get to see him. He's got the progressive field, Guardian's backdrop. This is this is a treat. I'll tell you what, we uh, this is big time. This is is this our number one guest, most famous guest of all time? He's got to be I mean, up there. Andrew had Tom Hamilton on. Yes, we did. We did have Tom Hamilton on, but you're in rarefied air. We'll put you up with Amy. Why not? You're the best. Well, you're the best we got. That's for sure. I love Tom Hamilton, and at some point, I need to figure out how to do it. I want the world to know what my relationship with him is like. Um, it's amazing I, the the shit that he and I give each other every day is <laughs> is second to none. And I, I I don't I don't get to listen to him very often, so I don't know if people really get a sense of his personality on the air. But the man is, he's like the grandpa you want to have. Like everyone wishes he was their grandpa or their father. I mean, he's just, he is that genuine and that great of a human being. Where is, uh, where does Zach rank Todd as, uh, when we put him in classifying with Adnan Burke, do you think? Oh, well, we do love it here. In terms of pure Guardians knowledge, I don't think there's anyone we've had on better than Zach, but, uh, in terms of pure entertainment, I don't know how you can get any better than Adnan. He's got a, you know, Adnan is is pure comedy. So here's uh, <laughs> here's the reason why I'm your number one guest of all time. I haven't ever missed a Dairy Brothers podcast. Wow. And where when do you get a guest who can also join you on all of your inside jokes about Chagrin Boulevard or <laughs> Sandy, the real MVP at the Center for Advanced Dentistry? I mean, come on. That's true. Okay. Now you're definitely number one. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Anyone who brings up Sandy is number one in my book. Pretty That's good. true. I don't think Andre not knows anything about Woodmere and the two lanes on, on Chagrin. I'm highly we're, doubt. We're that. too far north for him. We're, we're way too <laughs> far north for him. That is true. Uh, we are brought to you by Groove Ride. They're back with us, Todd. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> if you want to get a monthly membership to the best gym on the east side, $125 unlimited first class is free. Tell them I sent you check out all the different classes, whether it's cycle or boot camp or deep groove, which is half boot camp, half cycle. Yeah, stop deep laughing. Groove. Stop laughing. Just cause I'm in shape and you're not, you know where I get in shape. Groove That's ride, true. Maybe right there wow. on chagrin. speaking of chagrin Boulevard on chagrin Boulevard in Woodmere, right on the Did corner you- of chagrin and Brainerd. So check it out, GrooveRide.com. You might see someone you know on that website. I'm just going to say that. Who'd you have? You had DeBrat? Is it a promo for you? What? Or who? who no, was no, no. You're thinking, I, did you watch that video? That was, uh, 
no, that was, that was, uh, uh, I'm a survivor. That was, uh, that was Beyonce. That was our fake Beyonce. I thought you had some. No, 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 no. That was, that was not Debrat at the beginning. That was... No, Zach, Zach's right. There was some sort of Debrat. Uh, yeah. It was at the beginning of the video a while ago. Yeah. That was at the beginning of the video. That was you lovely and talented. At Groove Ride. Anjua Maxima. <laughs> and you want to hear good hip hop tunes. You should come check out one of my classes. Cause, uh, not sure what kind of music it. they play. Not sure. Zach, what kind would, of music love they the, Zach would love the music. That's love true. It. Not sure what kind of music playlist. they play at the Center for Advanced Dentistry, but mm. uh, CFAD.net. And of course, our friends at uh, <laughs> Breaking Tea t shirts at BreakingTea.com. They need to make a Zach Meisel shirt. I think that would be that would be the next uh, Guardian shirt that they should they should put out there. Hey, you got any uh, gear coming for the uh, Selby is Godcast? They should. They haven't haven't put have, that out yet. We have one or two shirts. I think one is like, it's a Zach owes me a beer. So I always promise people nice. they yeah, leave yeah, us a five yeah. star review. I'll buy him a beer and didn't quite map that out financially before I made that proclamation. But uh, and I think we had a second one too. I don't remember what it is. Has Bobby Bombs signed with anyone? By the way, I don't know, but I know someone who's own owns a Bobby Bonds Breaking Tea T shirt. Yes, it's it's gone. By the way, it's it's out in the garage in my in the uh, giveaway bag. You should it keep was, it in like 10 years, bust that out and we'll love it. Was, it. And you know, it that. was just time to retire. It was just time to retire. But uh, Zach, great to see you. Great to uh, have you on. Uh, I know I was doing a little film review late, late last night and caught uh, the uh, PD help in ninth inning at bat. Do you want to break that down? <laughs> <laughs> like these games are going by so freaking fast, man. This is unbelievable. Yeah, they played, where were we Saturday? Mesa against the A's. The first three innings took 32 minutes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, what are those, those cities where is it like Miami heat games? It used to be a thing that the fans wouldn't show up till like midway through the second quarter. Lakers too. And yeah. Yeah. And if, if you do that baseball game this year, it's going to be last call. So it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, I think the pitchers are going to end up liking it because they can get in a rhythm it's an adjustment for everybody else. Hitters, they have to be alert with eight seconds. You can't just, you're so used to just, all right, I fouled a pitch off. Let me take an emotional lap around home plate. Can't do that. I think the umpires feel pressure to just keep track of everything that they have to know now. And then even the the people in the press boxes operating the timer, like they're trying to figure out how to be consistent with it. So it's been an adjustment for everybody. And I think I like it, but I, I feel like I need to see it in the regular season and see what the pace is like. I saw a clip that uh, I think it was Wandy Peralta, the Yankees, struck out uh, someone in 20 seconds, threw three yeah. pitches in 20 seconds and struck a guy out. It's crazy. My, here I had a uh, my friend and, and fellow P1 listener, the great Andrew Rafael, was at that game in Mesa the other day, and he said that 99 was on the mound and he was checking him out to see how he was going to handle it. What did you think of uh, old 99 and how he's handling it thus far with the pitch clock? Cause he's the one guy that we're most concerned about because he takes forever. Yeah. I know Carl Willis checked in with him over the off season and Karen check said, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And the thing with him is I think he can work quickly. It's just the whole routine. He's just going to have to shorten it. So he hasn't had any issues yet. The only issue he had was he called for a new ball and 
they should have reset the clock and they didn't. So he got charged, but he's just going to have to pick, you know, do you need to go to the hair between every pitch? Do you need to go to the (laughs) rosin bag between every pitch? Do you need to juggle the baseball on your hand between every pitch? Maybe do two of those things, but I don't know if he's going to have time for the whole routine. Yeah, but he, but gripping the ball is the biggest issue. And I mean, uh, Rafael was telling us the other day that he had a little bit of control problems. He got out of the inning that he was in, but I don't know. I think it's it's a definite concern for him. I think everybody else, especially with this staff, I think can 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 adjust. And that's the great thing about Tito, and as you know, but with uh, with James, who knows, right? I mean, the hair and the rosin, it's all part of the act. And the reason I need to see this in the regular season is. I don't the, the when it's the second inning and it's there's nobody on and there's one out. I don't think you're worried about the pitch clock, but we won't get to see this spring what it's like when Bieber's on pitch 102 and he's got second and third with two outs in the seventh, and he's trying to collect himself and or Classe's got the bases loaded in the ninth inning. So those are the situations that you can't really replicate in a cactus league game. So I think it's just going to be trial and error. They're not using those rules in the WBC with the pitch clock. Are they? I thought not. Okay. And that's probably going to set back a couple of guys. I would, I would imagine. I mean, the only, the, the only, I was, I was thrilled that Emmanuel Classe decided not to go into the WBC. Um, I, I, I was, I mean, obviously Cal Quantrill is is there pitching for Team Canada, and I don't know how that's going to affect him. If it affects him at all, I'm not quite sure. Um, but are you concerned, or was there any concern at all about losing some of these guys? Um, you know, for a couple weeks in the middle of the spring and sending back any any club for that matter. I've I've long thought that the WBC is it was cool for at the beginning. I'm over it now, and I it lost me when Vinny Pistano's career went straight into the tank after being wow. in the WBC years ago. It's true. It was him and Mitchell Boggs. They were the two two of the best relievers in the in the game. They both pitched at the WBC and they were never the same after that because they both broke down pretty quick after that. I just is Tito concerned about about anybody being gone or but if Vinny's career didn't fizzle then you never would have traded him for Mike Clevenger and then you never would have traded Clevenger for true the six players. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise. No. Um can I use that? That's actually brilliant. That is, you're, you're not wrong. That's brilliant. Let's talk about Clevenger or let's not. <laughs> he he, so he think... was cleared, but he wasn't cleared of being a piece of garbage. Sorry. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, tough because proceed. Sorry. I, well, I think, you know, every team wants to say the right thing. Right. And you want to say, well, we, we know what it means to everyone to play for their country. So we don't want to get in their way, but. Like deep down, they're saying, hey, the fewer players we have playing in this, the more comfortable we'll feel. I think they're glad Jose Ramirez isn't playing. I think they're glad Class A is not playing. You know, Quantrill's probably the guy who you worry least about because he came to camp ready. And I mean, he's been in a dugout since he was born. So you don't really worry about him. And like, he's, you trust that he knows where he needs to be. Bo Naylor, like, you probably would like him to stick around camp and, get as much time with their pitchers as and with Sandy Alomar as possible. But like he's been ticketed to AAA since the off season. So it could be valuable experience too. And he gets to work with Cal, Cal Quantrill. So it's not the end of the world. So I, I don't think there are any 
players for them where you're going to, I mean, you're going to be holding your breath for an injury regardless, but there's no yeah. one who it's like, man, like I really wish this guy wasn't playing. Well, what about Andre Jimenez? Yeah. That he's a hit by a pitch machine. He's a fucking magnet. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm worried about is he gets, he, he gets hit a lot. He's like sort of the new age Brandon Geyer, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, he's that, the one, but that's a concern. But even with him, like, how many times did it take him getting hit? And I think, what, he finally have an injury that he ended up playing through at the end of the season? I mean, it's just, like, it's not going to be perfect, but I think right. the players who are playing, you're not worried about them. I think the concern is, especially with pitchers, is you're ramping up and you're pitching in a pressure-packed environment before you're ready to. And then you ramp back down because you go back to Cactus League play, and then you ramp back up because it's the regular season, and it's just it's it's a far you're straying from the norm with a position player it's not that different i i would think that bo naylor would be one just from the standpoint of like you said with the getting to know the pitchers a little bit better um but when he's gone it is also giving the opportunity for one of these other catchers to you know quote unquote emerge i don't know who it's going to be it seems like in reading your piece in the athletic um um, last week when you predicted the roster 2.0, you had Cam Gallagher being the guy. Um, is that, I know um, Valoria is also in the WBC, so that doesn't help his cause. Is there anyone else that could potentially be the backup catcher? Is David Fry at all a legitimate option? Not yet. He just doesn't have enough catching experience. And he's been... He'll play, he'll catch more when Naylor and Valoria are gone for the next couple of weeks, but he's played, I think, mostly first base and third base so far. So he's he's super interesting. I, I You could see him at some point this year, and it can't hurt to have a guy who can bounce around like that on the roster because then you can maybe get a little more aggressive with pinch hitting. And But this also isn't, you know, this isn't like Hedges and Maley. Like right. last season, where it was anytime they're at bat, who else is out there that we can use to pinch hit? You know, Zanino's got power, and when Naylor's up, I don't think you're going to want to pinch hit for him. So, yeah, Fry is interesting. I just I don't know how he fits exactly, um, but I don't think they're wanting to trust him too much behind the plate yet. The the entire positional roster for Columbus came up last year except him. Is that what does that tell you? <laughs> you know, like, well, he, these, he was, he was kind of, I'm not going to say four uh, a, but you know, they were, he, they got him from the brewers. He was kind of an intriguing piece and there was nowhere for him to go either. And he's not like a homegrown guy that they've watched. And, you know, they, they like, like Tyler Freeman or, or, you know, Bo Naylor or any of these other guys that came up through, through the system, or even Richie. Um, but I always just, to me, he, I looked up, he was always hitting. And there was such a need for a bat at at the catching position. I don't think, to Zach's point, with Zanino the way he is and the power he has, you're not going to be like, you know how it was last year. Every single game from basically June on, it was like the seventh inning. They were they needed a, a run. They were pinch hitting for whoever the catcher was who was starting that day. That's not going to be that way with Zanino, I wouldn't imagine. I can't imagine Cam Gallagher getting as much run as Luke Maley did last year either. But that's just me. in the end, you're just trying to pave the path to Bo Naylor. Yeah. So I, I don't know when that 
transfer of power will happen. That obviously depends a lot on Zanino and how much of the the load and how productive he is. But I think the the ultimate goal is to be in a position at some point this season where you say, okay, we know Bo Naylor's our guy 2024 and beyond, and maybe sooner, but certainly by then. Zach Meisel with us, theathletic.com. Selby is Godcast. Matt and Todd with you. Dairy Brothers Guardians cast here on a March 6th Monday. Spring training a well underway here. That's if that's our biggest discussion is to sit here and talk about Cam Gallagher or Valoria. That this is I remember a year ago, and I hate to kind of uh bite uh Terry Pluto's rhyme here, but he did mention this weekend about man, a year ago at this time, Yu Chang was starting opening day, Bobby Bradley was playing opening day. Roster looks just so much better. Todd and I were talking before you came on, Zach, about uh, before we hit record here about Josh Bell. I mean, it's just the team on paper looks so much better than it did a year ago, doesn't it? People have asked, like, just when sizing up the AL Central, what makes the Guardians the favorites, or do I think they're the favorites? And and the thing I keep coming back to is Chicago has no depth. They've already, I mean, Liam Hendricks. Nobody knows what his schedule will be. Mike Clevenger, like that's was obviously a tenuous situation there. But if if they lose more people, who's filling in? You know, they didn't. They got Ben Intendi, and he'll replace Abreu's production, I guess. But as we saw last season, if they have injuries or poor performance, like there are no, no contingency plans there. Minnesota is kind of similar. I think they have a little more depth than they've had the past couple of years in their pitching staff, but. Again, that team has you're relying on Byron Buxton, who can't ever play more than 80 games. And I mean, I think Carlos Correa is going to be healthy, but you at least have to have that concern in the back of your head. And the thing with Cleveland is there are just contingency plans everywhere. And like, I don't know if Oscar Gonzalez is going to be the real deal. I don't know if Miles Straw is going to hit enough to keep his everyday job. I don't know if Police Akin Savali are going to pitch well, but I do know that they have backups i know they have depth i know they have other options so you look at the lineup and like it's not perfect bell is a really nice piece i don't know what he's going to give you his floor is pretty high zanino's an upgrade over hedges it might not be sean murphy but you have bo naylor if you need it you have will brennan if you need it you have george valera eventually you have arias and freeman and rocchio you have tons of pitching so they're just in a good position with depth i think that's made spring training a little boring because really aren't many competitions. Um, but it puts them in a good position. We saw, and, and you saw last year, it's, first of all, it's an unbelievable that a team can have 17 people make their major league debuts and still have like a top three farm system. And most of the, the top prospects in the system are in the upper levels of the majors. But I mean, it those guys all got experience. So it's not new to them either. You know, Will Brennan was facing Garrett Cole in a, critical playoff game so you think he's going to be feeling too much pressure to perform when it's may and he's facing brad keller like i think they're in a good spot is there a uh someone you've seen this spring that's been a surprise to you um whether it be a pitcher or a position player either one where you're like all right this guy's got my eye and uh could, could make some noises here that that no one's really talking about Hunter Gaddis maybe has looked really good. Oh, wow. I, I think it's easy to, first of all, it's been like two or three appearances. So it's, it means nothing. Can't get any worse not, than last year when he came up. Sorry. Well, that's the thing is everybody <laughs> wants to 
just dismiss him because he made he was forced into two spot starts. And let's be clear, the one against Houston Ugh. was or was it Chicago? The one it was Houston. It, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was at both of his starts, actually. And it was clearly to just set up the rotation against Chicago and Minnesota. Right. And he was a sacrificial lamb and it didn't go well. He wasn't ready and they crushed him. It's easy to just assume, okay, that's who this guy is, but it's not. He, he pitched twice and he wasn't ready. Um, he's looked really good. I, I'm not sitting there with a radar gun and expertise on this stuff to know if that means anything, but it's just been easy to notice. Micah Pries, I don't think people know who he is because he just turned 25, whereas if he was a 22-year-old prospect, I think maybe he'd be getting some hype. Um, he had some injury issues early on in his career, and then the he's pandemic. Got a nice, he's got a nice swing. Yeah, he's he's been productive, and he's like he's like a 2020 guy. He's stolen a lot of bases at a high success rate. Hits for some power. A corners guy, so he's interesting. Just thinking about down the line, if you know Bell leaves after one year and they need another first base option, maybe he'd be in the mix. But I'd say those guys. Um. Juan Brito is really interesting. All he does is walk. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they'll end up getting something for Nolan Jones. I haven't seen uh, Nolan Jones's what he's doing this spring, but I was reading up on, on uh, Brito, and it sounds like they really got a nice young piece for Nolan, who basically was jumped by Oscar, and, and uh, there really wasn't a spot for him. I always thought – I just never understood why they never – worked him at first base more and gave him those options. Cause when he first came up last year, he had like the first couple of weeks, he looked really nice Had a mm-hmm. beautiful looking swing. I, I, and then they just, they sent him back down and they buried him. They never brought him back. I was kind of surprised at that actually. I think part of that is Oscar Gonzalez and what he was able to do. And Nolan just didn't fit because he's left-handed. Right. He was redundant with Josh Naylor. And so if he was a righty, Probably wouldn't have seen Gabriel Arias at first base in the playoffs, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've had some deep talks with Andre not about this, about how everyone who evaluates prospects had Nolan Jones on their top 100 for years and years. And Oscar Gonzalez wasn't even added to the 40 man roster. And it's Oscar Gonzalez who wins out Nolan Jones who's playing elsewhere. And um, you know, it's, it's what did we miss? What, what do evaluators miss when they're looking at these, prospects and trying to figure out who's going to make in the majors and who's not. I, he could crush it in Colorado. I wouldn't be shocked, but burrito is interesting. I mean, it was a ball, but he's young. I mean, stop me. If you've heard me heard this before, a middle infielder who has really good contact rate, really good plate discipline. That's their bread and butter. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. What about uh? There's that. a lot of talk about. Go ahead, Todd. Sorry. No, go ahead. I got. I was just gonna. <laughs> what about the Roman Quinn experience? Uh, Ooh, yeah. Not now. Exciting. We're getting into some good stuff here. Here we go. We're gonna <laughs> battle on this, Todd. <laughs> no, you know what? Here, say what you're gonna say, and then I. 
and then I'll so respond. They like him. And I know get your shots ready and take a sip. 40 man <laughs> roster stuff, right? <laughs> That's right. He's not on Drink. the 40. So is he worth cutting somebody to add? There are a few players that they could drop from the 40 man. The other thing to think of is you could presumably put a pitcher on the 60 day injured list, depending on how these recoveries go. I know Cody Morris is making some progress, um, but they like Quinn's skill set, and and the home runs have nothing to do with this because if all three home runs were caught on the warning track, it would not affect their view of him because it's not about power. It's not even really about the bat, but the fact he can play all three outfield spots, the fact that he can run and the bases are smaller or well, the bases are bigger, but there's less ground to cover trying to steal bases. It's just an option. I don't know for sure that he's going to make the roster. I just know he's strongly in consideration and you have to think about the composition here, right? So there's really three open bench spots because you assume 13 position players, nine starters, a catcher, and then three more players. So you figure Arias or Freeman, it's going to be hard enough to get one of them playing time, let alone both. So I would guess that both won't make it. One of them will start in AAA. And then Will Brennan, I would think, would make it. Yeah. And then who else? I mean, it's Palacios. It's Quinn. Palacios is gone right now. He just had a 15-hour flight across the world to play in the WBC. So I think Quinn's got a shot. And it, it just kind of fits the narrative of Tito. I mean, they've gone young. No one ever thought in a million years that Tito would ever manage the youngest team in the game a year ago and that he didn't have a couple of his veterans and we could hit the old bit siren for, you know, all the names from the past and guys have gotten opportunity. Even Oscar Mercado last year played a ton in that first series against the Royals and all that in April. Cause you know, that was always the narrative was he's a Tito guy and he's a veteran, but that's the Roman Quinn influence is 29 years old. That's been around as opposed to taking somebody younger. But in this instance, I mean, Tyler Freeman's in a weird spot. Z. He's like, you know, He's probably done all he can do at AAA. I know you mention that all the time on your show. So what do they do? Make a trade. I yeah. mean, it's 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 not going to stop. That's the thing. Like, So if Arias is your utility guy this year and Freeman maybe gets a chance here and there, he's up and down, let's say. And then let's say Rosario walks at the end of the season. Okay, so Arias and Freeman can compete for one of the spots and then the other one's the utility guy. Well, guess what? Brian Rocchio will have just spent over a year at AAA and he'll be ready. And Jose Tena and then Angel Martinez and then Juan Brito. And it's just, it's not going to end. So at some point you have to make your roster more efficient. And yes, I, I don't know if that's, you know, trading for a starting pitcher this summer or what. And, and they know this. I mean, this is not some secret that they haven't figured out yet, but. And I understand, like, it has to be the right trade, and you're not going to do something just to do something. They feel like they have to win every single trade they make, which which I think every front office should feel that way, but they are pretty stingy in, in their negotiations. But you're going to reach a point where there's diminishing returns here. You already had to part with Will Benson and Nolan Jones just to create some space and flexibility, and it's going to be the same deal here. I, I have long been on the train, and I, I've been saying this on this podcast for almost two years now. 
They're such a log jam. They're going to make a trade eventually. They're going to make a trade eventually. I'm stunned that they haven't yet. I, I mean, like you just laid the whole scenario out. I have been long saying that this will be Ahmed's last. I didn't think Ahmed was was going to do what he did last year. And then, as you know, my brother, who Mr. Mr. Uh, Ahmed lover over there. That's right. <laughs> Ahmed's number one fan. It's my guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I never thought that we would get to this point in 2023 and Ahmed Rosario would still be the shortstop of this team. And I don't think they thought that either. And that's where the problem I think for them happened. I think they have thought, okay, Ahmed will run his course. He'll be gone. And Arias would have played shortstop by now. And if he flames, then you got Rokio in 2024. Well, now all of a sudden the, and you have Freeman and that, that, that thing would work itself out, but they haven't done that deal Matt, Matt and I talked about this in the executive producer, Jeremy, about how uh, when Gavin Lux tore his ACL and was out for the season, yeah, why wouldn't they be coming for Tyler Freeman? But I saw that, um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Andrew Friedman, the GM of the uh, Dodgers, his quote was, "There's I, I, after Gavin Lux got hurt, there's a lot of ambulance chasers contacting me. And he, which I, I was, I respected that. I, I kind of thought it was funny, but yeah, they, I believe that they're going to have to make some sort of deal. And it'll be like, if they're in first place at the deadline and the starting pitching is iffy, I think that's where they use some of that depth to get another starting pitch pitcher. And I know that they don't like to do rentals and I get that. And I don't know where this Bally's, you know, diamond sports group, bankruptcy is going to come into play but it's a good bit what you read is true and they're not getting the additional 50 million dollars you know the yankees or it's not the yankees because they're on but like some of these teams it they don't give a shit but in cleveland we need that 50 million dollars well, so i don't know if, yes the, look at the unnamed team okay yeah they're an embarrassment now i know i say that on every podcast and zach knows that but like the owner Owns the Red Wings. He's double dipping. He's got two checks missing: the one for yeah. the hockey and the one for the baseball. And he's also and look at, and and he's also just, being robbed by Miggy and Javi Baez. The good thing true. though for them is that if they can't pay the electric bill and the lights at Comerica Park go out, you can use the wind energy from Javi Baez's lunging <laughs> curveballs in the dirt. <laughs> That's true. Well played. Well, played. that is that is that is very true. That is very true. But uh, so what? Well, no, I, so what do you think, Zach? Like, could the dodge? Could that happen? Or so here's the bottom line is everything would be so much simpler if this team stunk. The thing that's made this challenging is the fact that a contender, you know, if they weren't in the mix last summer, I think Rosario would have been traded. I think the problem was you had four marquee shortstops on the market over the winter and teams that, could have traded for Rosario last summer. They just weren't going to give you a ton for him, knowing that might not be the guy they wanted to tether themselves to for another year when you could go get Trey Turner, or Bogarts, or Correa, or Swanson. So it's just, it's tough because if if you traded him right now, what are you getting for him? He's a rental. He's, if I were him, I would just go to free agency because he's going to be the best shortstop by a mile in the free agent class. And if you're the guardians, what, how is that helping you? Like, I, I, I understand that these are the Ahmed wars and I don't have a strong stance on this because I don't know that Arias can 
do what Ahmed does yet. I don't know that Freeman can do that yet. Maybe they can, but are you in a position to take that risk when you're trying to win a World Series this season? I don't know. So it, it's tough. And, and the other thing is, if you do trade him, you're getting back another prospect. We just talked about the logjam they have, and and you're probably going to end up getting a lottery ticket for him. So I, you're also you're also pissing off your best player. You're right. also doing that, and are you trading Ahmed Rosario right now when there's three weeks till the regular season? Yeah, no. The clubhouse no. has immaculate vibes, as the kids say. I mean, I I don't know. I, I think if you were going to do it. It would be a lot easier to do it if I mean look at the Cincinnati Reds. Like Will Benson's gonna get a ton of playing time for them. And they will find out if he's a legitimate player or not. You don't have the luxury of doing that in Cleveland no. right now because they're a contender. Otherwise, you know, if if Oscar Gonzalez doesn't if he gets off to a rough start this season, you could just let him play through his lumps. But in their case, if Oscar Gonzalez gets off to a slow start. It's Will Brennan time. It's George Valera time. So it's, they were planning to have a bunch of rookies play last season and more this season. But the plan was let these kids take their lumps so that by 2024, they could be in position to win. It's just that timeline got sped up. They've right. And they had to, they figured it out. And, you know, they've been saying for years about, you know, threading the needle. You know, you hear that that's like number one company line. But it's it's actually worked. And last year, you know, they came out of nowhere and none of us saw it happening. And we learned a lot about a lot of guys who can do it. And we learned a lot about guys who can't do it. Now, my biggest concern about Oscar, obviously, is compared to his projections, he just like has blown through what he is projected to do by all the advanced metrics. And I've seen this before. You remember how good Oscar Mercado was as a rookie. And then, you know, that that was one year and he was figured out and that was it. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Oscar, but the way Oscar loves to chase bad pitches is a concern of mine. The good news, to your point, is that if he does flounder and you have a contact machine like uh, Will Brennan right behind him and then Valera, uh, you know, on the come, obviously he's got the hand injury now, but what do you, what have you seen from him this spring oscar and and do you do you think a sophomore slump could potentially happen with him it's it's impossible to know i mean i think like i talked to to him to the hitting coaches to tito and i i think the stance is he needs to get to the regular season and make adjustments to pitchers adjusting to him because they're not stupid they're going to throw him junk out of the zone until he proves he can resist it he knows that but you don't you want him to be more patient but at the same time you want him to still be that aggressive hitter who can turn on a pitch at any moment and lift it into the upper deck so they're trying to find that balance I mean I think like you can be confident in Stephen Kwan avoiding the quote-unquote sophomore slump because his contact and his plate discipline skills are so elite that you saw it like he went into a slump in May, pulled himself out of it pretty quick. And that was it. There was there was not I mean, he didn't even have like a week long funk at any point. So his floor is really high with Oscar. I mean, it's I wrote about him last week and I kind of compared him ironically to Javi Baez in that Baez had a season where he was the runner up in the MVP voting. And then he had a season last year where you're wondering, why did the Tigers give him one hundred and forty million dollars? 
Um, that's just the volatility of of a hitter who is a free swinger. And what determines your overall results is just like Chris Valleca put this really well. He said, it's okay if it's a one-two count and you swing at a slider out of the zone and it's strike three and you know, you learn eventually that you can't hit that pitch, but you have to swing to really learn that, right? And that is a strikeout pitch. That's the pitcher wanted you to do that and you you did it, but you were protecting the plate and you were trying to just stay alive. The at-bats that I think they want him to avoid are the ones where it's like the first pitch of the at-bat and it's a sinker in on the hands. And yeah, he believes he can hit anything. He's super aggressive. So he swings at that. And it's just like a slow chopper to the shortstop and one pitch at bats over. If he lays off that pitch, it's 1-0 and and maybe the pitcher has to come in the zone then. So it, it's more the early at bat, early part of the at bat than the late part of the at bat. But again, like this is a super long-winded way of saying, I have no idea. Tito said he's the hardest guy to evaluate. And oh. I think he's just going to have to play and then make adjustments. I, I have no doubt. I mean, Todd kind of mentioned the Mercado comparison, which everybody does that. It's not wrong, but Oscar Mercado never hit a walk-off home run in the playoffs. Or well, that's that's the thing know. though. Like Gonzalez has 35 home run ability, right? Yes. So Mercado didn't have that. So even if Gonzalez is going poorly and he's carrying like a 275 on base percentage, he still could hit a ton of doubles and home runs that make him at least adequate. I mean, he had 27 doubles in 91 games. That's like a on pace for 50, I think. So I wasn't, I was more, it was more of the comparison of being yeah. great as a rookie. And then the second year they figured him out, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, I, and the best part about Oscar is the fun loving way. He just, he fits so well with the group last year too. I mean, if you think about it, he came, he came up, like we said, not on the 40 man, drink and we didn't expect anything out of him no one when when they called him up i didn't even i couldn't believe they actually did it to be honest i, I didn't think, i think he was gonna play <laughs> me neither and and he did nothing but hit and i know you know it's a real testament to him from a mental standpoint too um you know he's 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 a tough tough kid i mean to hit a walk-off homer in the in you know to end a series against Cor- Corey kluber of all people in that stadium i mean what a what am i what a moment. I mean, I would, I would put that up there. One of my top five all-time baseball moments uh, to, to be a part of being in that stadium for that moment after sitting through 18 innings of baseball was just unbelievable. And when Kluber came out of that dugout, you could just feel it, it was unbelievable. But then he comes back and hits the walk-off winner to, in the three, three runs in the ninth inning against the Yankees. I mean, and it was just, you got to give the kid a ton of credit. So I, yeah. I really hope he succeeds, especially because the SpongeBob thing, it just everything about him is so likable. So I really hope it does end up working out. These plus, what else you got? No, plus Augie is uh, now like a big hero. Zach wrote a whole piece about him, and the guys, yeah, the guy that guy gets more uh, that guy gets more camera time than uh, than Matt Underwood. He's. <laughs> uh, I feel like people fall in love with the tra- translators, no matter who it is. Remember Anna Bolton? I was going to say they had the female the one year. Oh, that's right. Too. Yes, she yeah. was eyes with Jose. Yeah, she had a fan club. She's still in the organization, and now, uh, yeah, Augie's got his supporters. Where's Where's Katie with them these days? 
<laughs> I don't know. Soccer. I think she does soccer. I think you're right. What's up? We're talking to Zach Meisel from The Athletic. What's up with the bullpen? Like, okay, so Cody Morris isn't pitching right now, and he's heard uh, Big Sam. What does that mean in your mind, and uh, who who steps in? I don't know. Who do you guys like? You a big uh, Caleb Berger fan or Philip I got my I got my eye on Tim Heron to take that left Tim Heron, spot, yeah. but I I don't bad. know enough about him. Uh, I haven't seen. I just I, I only know what I read. But losing Sam would be a for an extended period of time would be a real problem because he was so good last year, especially down the stretch. He was just as good. I don't think people talked about it enough. He was just as good as 99 was and having him from the left side to give that extra difference. I I mean, listen, I know that uh, my guy D Los Santos DLS is also pitching in the uh, WBC, which concerns me a little bit. Um, He might not be though. I got to check. He was on a roster. He was, but he was like a, I don't know what they call it, but basically like a swing guy or bat, uh, like pitch a... only if we need you to. Or something oh, okay. Like that. All right. That's good. That's good to know. But what about someone like wh- wh- this Jason Billis that they claim from the, the White Sox? I know nothing about him, but when no relation to Jay Billis, they spell it differently, by the way. But when they claim when 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 the Guardians are claiming an arm like that they see something that they think that they can work on. And it usually ends up working out. There's a, as we know, we've talked about this a million times every year. There's always one guy that we never have heard of that comes out of nowhere. Last year was D Los Santos. Could it be this Jason Billis guy? It could be. I don't know a lot about him. I know the white Sox didn't, they weren't thrilled that they lost him and that they lost him to Cleveland. Um, you know, this is, I'll cater this to you, Todd. Heron and Billis are on the 40 man roster. So that would be the easiest way, (laughs) the easiest way to fill it out on opening day, but they also don't have big league experience. So do you want someone like Tuki Toussaint? Do you want someone like Berger deal who have pitched in the majors for a minute? I don't know that this is the one area of the roster that I have no feel for because it's really hard to evaluate relievers in spring training. You're pitching five, six, seven, eight times but it's one inning at a time and you might be facing kids from low a right. and the wind might be blowing out or the sun might cost you extra bases. I mean, it's, it's so hard to evaluate and it depends what they want. I think it sounds like, you know, if, if Hentges isn't ready by opening day, which is probably, I would guess that'll be the case. Then you need two people, right? So it sounds like they want, or it might not be mandatory, but they would love somebody who can throw multiple innings. And I think Billis was a starter for most of his minor league career. Maybe he could do that. Heron is a lefty and he's on the 40 man. So that's great. He throws really hard. What about, Pil- um, what about Pilkington? Yeah. So I try to dig at that a little today. You know, would they shift any of the starters to the bullpen, but that's usually not something they want to commit to until they absolutely have to. Right. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, Heron's interesting. I think he's got the best stuff of the bunch. He also works at Lululemon in the offseason. Uh, <laughs> free pub there. So I respect I, that. I don't know. I, I think I think if you're the Guardians, the hope is you get Hench's back and Morris back as quickly as possible because those two rounding out the group of eight gives you the best bullpen you can have. Let me let me ask you this on the Morris front. 
are they concerned at all about the, you know, because of the the many injuries he that he's had? I think, I mean, in a perfect world, he will be, you know, the next starter in line. They'd keep him around for, you know, pitching multiple innings. He was really good down the stretch too when they needed him. Um, are they considering it all? Or are they? Do you think that down the line he'll end up having to be a reliever because of the issues he's had, the injury issues he's had? Yeah, I think they're leaning toward a multi-inning reliever guy. Yeah. I think they feel like Tuki Toussaint's kind of the same, or he started in the past. But, um, I mean, Morris is good. It's The problem is it's the same injury every time. Right. It's like that. Is it a lat? Lat, the, yeah. yes. Yeah, so I think they said this is like maybe the third straight year he's had that around this time. So, yeah, I mean, I, being a reliever, I guess it just allows them to monitor him more closely and put in guardrails to just because because the, the other thing is like if he's ready at some point i don't know in april maybe based on his injury history like you're not trying to have him throw 180 innings this year right and if you think he can contribute to your major league pitching staff you probably want his best innings coming toward the end and not in may so if you are patient with him and maybe limit him early on, then maybe he force for you in August and September. We got to wrap it up, uh, Zach. What uh, anything fun out there? Are you having are you having a decent time? Are you doing anything off the field that's fun? No, fill us fill us in. Nothing. Have you been no, to I... Goodyear, Arizona? No, my brother and sister in law live out in Surprise. They're 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 out there. And it's a lot of desert. I've been out there. They literally live in the desert. And it's, yeah. <laughs> if you like chain restaurants, I mean, I'm sure you're eating mm-hmm. a lot of in and outs. That would be, that would be what I would do. So I don't know. It's, uh, no hiking for you? No Pinnacle Peak? or uh... No, I, I go, I hike any chance I get. I, I've been at, up at White Tank quite a bit this, uh, this spring, which is out near Surprise. Um. You know, Camelback, Piesta Peak, those are those are good yeah. spots. White Tank's my place. It's, it's very quiet. You don't run into a lot of people. Uh, nice. Yeah. How's the little guy doing? He's good. A lot how of babbling. That, how is that being away from this for this long of a period of time when you have such a young kid? And do you do it? I'm assuming you're just FaceTiming. This is getting very this is getting very oh, sentimental just... now. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. I mean, I, I think last year, the longest I was away, maybe just like a week. Like we, I don't think we had any three city trips. Um, So it was doable, but also he like didn't know who I was yet, but now <laughs> he's nine, almost 10 months. And I mean, thank God for FaceTime. Right. Cause yeah. you, you FaceTime my wife, points the phone toward him and he beams up and it, it makes you feel good. Um, so I'll, I'm going home this week for a little bit just to catch my breath and see him. And um, that'll be nice. But yeah, nice. it's, it's hard. Cause like he's trying to walk and he's about to say his first words. I think it's, I know you, you certainly don't want to miss that. No. Zach, we love you, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you guys having me. Did we cover all of your, your supporters, I'm trying to think if we missed any. 
Yeah, I think we got. We did. I think we got them all. Early in the season, we're we're not getting the the live. Re, you know, we're we're yeah. we're easing in. So all right, tell Doctor Ben I said hey. <laughs> I will, hey, he just had a grand. He just had a grandchild. So shout out to Doctor Ben. They uh, had a beautiful uh, uh, granddaughter. So shout wow. out to America's greatest it. dentist. Zach Meisel with us, theathletic.com. Check him out as well. Uh, the Selby is Godcast, wherever you get your podcast. He and TJ Zupe do a, Zupe do a great job with that. We will be back again uh, next week. Let's do another show next week, Todd, shall we? Uh, works for me. During Brothers truly, Guardians. We do an, is that going to be NCAA tournament talk? Even though we can't talk about your team, we probably won't make the NIT even. Oof. I, I can't. I'm done. I'm done. With By the way, basketball. Jim Beheim, it's not 2003 anymore. Can you retire 10 years ago? But yeah. can I just jump in really quick? Yes. Yes. Uh, two things. One, not enough people are talking about your Jayhawks who look maybe as good as they did last year at this time. Um, and you should know Tito is the world's biggest college basketball fan. Yeah. yeah. Wants to talk about it every single morning. And I just wanted to say, like, there are not as many Cleveland Guardians podcasts as there are Cleveland Browns podcasts, which shouldn't come as a surprise. But the more, the merrier. And I know totally. everybody has different perspectives. And like, I know we joke around and I like truly like, Hey, you guys are appointment listening to me. Cause it's just, Thank it's you. a different perspective. You so guys, you. Have, so are you guys, yeah, I was going to say, we listen have, to you every week too. So it's you great. guys have followed this team for your lives and it's, you bring a fun, a fun position to it. So I, I just wanted to say, I appreciate it. And I hope oh. everybody listens to you guys. Thanks buddy. Thank, Thank you so much. That. And you know what, for the two of us, it's great for the two of us too. I mean, we, it's it's so much fun. There's nothing that he and I love to talk about more than this. I can tell you that. No question. So. Locked on Meisel. There he is, Zach Meisel, with <laughs> us here on the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast. We will be back next week here on the Evergreen Podcast Network and waiting for next year. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 